Welcome to the Rex Chapman Show with my guy, super cool Josh Hopkins. Super cool. Super cool. Oh, hey, Rex, man. What's going on, buddy? How are you, bud? You good? Okay. Yeah, everything's good here in Austin. What about Lexington? Ah, everything's good in Lexington. I'm gearing up for a big NBA playoffs coming up here soon. By the way, yeah, speaking yeah. of NBA, did you, uh, <laughs> did you happen to see Luca play uh, recently, get tossed? Yeah, I couldn't believe it because the day before I saw him on TV going, nah, I just got to be better and more mature. I don't want to let my teammates down. And then he nut shots, call a text or whatever. And gets, and he's going to, he's going to miss a game. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of crazy. Cause you know, I mean, he really doesn't have any, many, if any holes in his game, but you know, opposing coaches now are saying, look, if you go out there and you just let that guy play, he's really good. But there's a chance he's so young, if you get in his head a little bit, he'll mm -hmm. get into a little battle with you, which mm -hmm. is kind of funny. But he's going to miss some time now. It's his last technical. So, I know. Uh, but he's got to sit. It's, it's give and take, though, because that's one of the things I love about him is he's, he's a, he can be a dick. And, and, yeah, it, takes, and it takes that. And it's kind of a thing. It's like with Jason Kidd, the 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 more you got into it with Jason Kidd, the better he played. Right, so right, it's kind right. of, yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. tell Luca likes that here. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, you know who we have this week, Josh, on the show? Who is that, Rex? We got CP3, Candace Parker, two-time <laughs> NCAA champion, WNBA champion, WNBA MVP, and all-around great great person two-time uh, gold medal olympian that's right and one-time mom and a heck of a mom so i'm super excited to have candace on the show yeah she's arguably the best ever to, to and, play in the WNBA. yeah i mean and she's she's just all kinds of fascinating she's lived all over the world and i've been wanting to have her on since we started this silly thing so uh, i'm fired up to have candace by the way this week have you read anything uh, I know we do yeah, book club, you know, yeah. we should get into book club. I, yeah. uh, it's been a busy week for me a, a, mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. And, um, I, I haven't read anything this week, Josh. Uh, well, I can't so, really help yeah. either. I, uh, I read some instructions to, I had to put up this. Well, that's, thing, but, but yeah. no books. Uh, oh no, no books. no books. So that's been okay. book club. Okay. Yeah. So why don't we, um, get into this I, I can't wait to to meet your friend candace let's do it candace parker y'all thanks candace for joining us thank you for having me i'm excited i'm excited I'm, I'm fired up are you in your new place in chicago i'm in my new place with no furniture yes i have <laughs> no artwork and no furniture so the last couple remote turner shows have been interesting i've been getting clowned for doing you know white <laughs> Turner interviews but like whatever right that's right whatever i know you're exhausted you're probably hitting the grind again right practicing and all of that stuff right now yeah i mean it's training camp so it's a little bit of the grind at the beginning our season starts here soon but you know it's it's cool i enjoy listen if i weren't working i'd still be talking about basketball so you might as well might as well do it right and you're back home I am. I'm back in Chicago. I grew up in Naperville, which is a western suburb of Chicago. I am so excited to be home. It's really testing me, though, because I drive past my favorite restaurants almost every <laughs> day. And they're all like fast food that I could eat when I was 18, 19 years old. 
now cannot. So it's, it's, <laughs> a test. it's testing my, my, yeah, my grit. <laughs> hey, Candace. Uh, well, I, first I need to say Candace Nicole Parker. I, I try to acknowledge everybody's middle name right off the bat. Um, thanks really. Thanks for doing this. Um, I want to go back. I want to talk about your daughter, Layla and being a mom and your basketball career and all that, but go back to Naperville. What, what was it like growing up there? So I didn't realize at the time, but Naperville was voted the second best place to raise kids when I was growing up. Like, I don't know who the first was, but I would really like to argue that because I just think we had, I mean, we had great child programs, YMCA, after school activity, like our school system was great. Um, and my parents, it's really been important for us to have a great education. And so that was um the big idea of moving to Naperville. My dad worked downtown. So every day he would get on a train, ride downtown to downtown Chicago work and then come back. And he did that so that we could get a solid education in what he thought was one of the best schools in the country. Um, I think just, I had two older brothers. I tried to do everything they did. And a lot of times it was basketball. I had a basketball in my crib from the time I can remember. I fought it for a while. I played soccer, volleyball, all that, but soon came back around to basketball. I mean, the dinner table was our time to just kind of interact and make fun of each other. And why did you fight it? Why did you fight playing basketball? My brothers were so great at it. And my dad, you know, he played basketball at Iowa mm -hmm. and I just wanted my own thing. You know, I was a little sister that wasn't as confident in who I was. I was always the little Parker and, um, I just didn't think that I was good at it and didn't think I would be better than my brothers at it. And so I think I fought it for a really long time because I wanted my own lane. I wanted to do my own thing. And that was soccer and volleyball for a while. But then, you know, I'm six, four and <laughs> a little bit athletic. <laughs> so it was like, you're going to play basketball. What age was but that, Candace? I start. I fell in love with basketball around 11 or 12. That was the time where I really was like skipping dances to go to basketball tournaments and like going to the gym on Friday, Saturday nights instead of going to the mall, like that type of thing. But I started playing like YBA around like seven, eight, but nothing serious until I got to be like 12, 13 years old. And the change was just, I just loved it. Like I love that I wasn't, you know, I was bigger, but I was able to handle the ball and, and, um, I just loved going to the gym and just trying to get better. I mean, I feel like it's just every play is different. Every practice is different. And that's how like my mind works. If I'm stuck doing the same thing, every day, it just doesn't. Rex, you know, it doesn't work. I, <laughs> doesn't work. I do know. I do know. What, uh, speaking of that, I mean, your brothers, you come from a basketball family, but they're quite a bit older than you. So it wasn't like the Reggie Cheryl in the driveway type of thing. What, what, is or what was your relationship with them growing up and, and did they, were they tough on you or they, did they help you? Like, what was it? So my dad has always wanted, like he's had my name picked out from like, I've heard the story. He's had my name picked out since Anthony, like he's always wanted a girl. And so I was the third, eight years younger than my middle brother and 11 years younger than my older brother. My oldest brother, Anthony is more of like an uncle, like, I would go to the mall with him and get him girls like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I like, played against Anthony for a while. He, it, <laughs> he, cro I crossed over with him. He, I played against him maybe two or three years there at the end of my career. Yes. And like, so he's quite a bit, you know, just in terms of 
him going through the process of high school and college. And I was a little sister always at his games and things like that. Marcus was more, he was eight years older than me, but he was more of the competitive brother. Like he was more of my sibling. We went at it with Sega. He never let me win. Like he would beat me <laughs> one time. I cried to my mom. He beat me like 122 to like 57 in a Sega Genesis game. And so it's like, he would never let me win ever at anything. And so that's kind of what, we, what I grew up with. I grew up being on the sideline, waiting for the time in between games to go on and get a couple shots on. And everybody would be like, oh, who's that little girl with the Bretts, you know? And then I'd have to run back to the sideline because the game would start. That was like my shine moment. Um, but I think my brothers have always been my heroes. I've always wanted to be and do exactly what and who they were and are. And my parents, just because I was a little girl and I was, you know, mommy and daddy's little girl, I had the same expectations and guidelines and all that as my brothers. I was pushed the same. I was yelled at the same. I was held to the same standards. And so in a, in a way I was set up because I could be that. Like it was, I was Candace. I wasn't Candace, the little girl. And um, I think that that was kind of the dynamic between me and my brothers. Like I was in the backseat while they were getting yelled at after the games <laughs> by my dad. And I was just kind of like, well, I want that. Like, I want to be yelled at like that. I want to be coached like that. And so I kind of had a backseat to their career to kind of try to help me with mine. Well, speaking of, of, of that, you said you started pretty late being serious with basketball. And I'm enamored with that because at this point in um, everybody specializes since, you know, four years old on, no one plays other sports. You see these incredible athletes throw out the first pitch and it looks, it's humiliating. It looks like they're throwing with their off hand. You're like, how can you be this uncoordinated and be this great of an athlete? And how was soccer and volleyball, how did that help you in, in your basketball game? I come from like a family that does a lot. Like I can roller skate. We used to go roller skating like every can Saturday. Can you really? I can roller skate. You know, we played softball and baseball all the time, just out back, kickball. Like my parents and my family and the environment we were in got exposed to a number of things. Bowling, like we used to go bowling on Sundays um, as a family. Like everything that was competitive, we did. Monopoly, come on, let's go. Like, you know, like yeah. there's no crime when you get all your property taken. So honestly, I think that because of that, I was exposed to so much that it just kind of helped with basketball. I'm a firm believer in not specializing. First of all, it's like for your body parts. Like you think about soccer. It's like you run forward. You very rarely slide laterally. So then you have people that only run forward. So imagine what that does to your body over the course of, you know, 30 years that you're playing. So it's not even just like for skills and other related sports, it's for your body. And it's just right. mentally even, like you see these kids that get burnout at 16, 17 years old. Cause all I've been doing is specialized training. And then Rex knows I'm a firm believer. Listen, I love the athletic training, but we're losing in the game, the reaction, like just playing, like we don't need to play. Just go in there. You don't need a cone drill because in the games, the cone moves like it, it's a moving defender. <laughs> so you can do all this when the cone is still, but you can't do it when it moves. And so I think that that comes from just like play. Like we went out and just made up sports and made up games and did all of that stuff. And I think that that has made me appreciate basketball that much more. 
Well, that's it. It feeds into your such a great place growing up because you sound like you're from our generation where we went out and played <laughs> and got in our bikes and we didn't come inside to play where there was nothing to do. So we went out and played kick the can and, and wiffle ball and all that stuff. And there was no specializing. We played every sport and you must if a very idyllic upbringing because most people uh, in your generation do specialize right off. We climb trees. Like there yeah. was a tree out back that my mom, <laughs> it was like a different colored dirt. So she would know every time I went there to climb the trees and I couldn't figure out how she knew. Cause she'd be like, did you go to those trees again? And I'd be like, I don't know how she knows <laughs> that I went and climbed up into like the top of the tree. <laughs> like I was that kid that my brothers took their shirt off. I was with barrettes trying to take my shirt off. Like I love playing outside. We made up games, caught little, what are the little lightning bug things? Like yep. that was my childhood. And I honestly um, wouldn't trade it for anything because I think that that's like the joy I get from the creativity of stuff. And that's where you get it is just through free play. I, um, I was just telling a friend the other day about how, you know, I would play in creeks and pick up rocks and pick up little crawdads and stuff. And <laughs> I, I mean, if I, if I saw a crawdad now, I'd be like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the times have changed, not just, you know, for the kids, but for us. But that's it sounds like you had like a Rockwellian upbringing, something that it, I'm just glad to hear that that had to add not just to your life, but to your sports life as well. It definitely did. But I think it's so funny now because Layla is quoted like I hashtag be a kid all the time. I tell her all the time, like. Do I have to teach you how to be a kid? Go climb that tree, like go climb it. And so I'm I like 35 out there trying to show her, well, like I need help. You don't need help. Like get up there and climb the tree. <laughs> so oh. He always like hits me and it's like, mom, I was a kid today. That's good. That's so good. <laughs> this episode of the Rex Chapman show with Josh Hopkins, who is awesome and cool, sponsored by Blue Chew. Hey Rex, Blue Chew is an online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. This unique service is something a lot of guys could use. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of guys looking for some help in the bedroom. Yeah, yeah. And if you're interested in this uh, spectacular new product, Blue Chew is bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger, longer lasting erections. He said erections. Grow up, Rex. Okay, you're making it weird. Okay, Josh, but with Blue Chew, it won't be weird. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Tell me Blue Chew is shipped right to your door in a discreet package. Oh, oh, it is. That's exactly right. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. Blue Chew tablets are chewable, made in the USA, and shipped direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code REX at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo REX to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, who's super cool, powered by basketballnews.com. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
Candace, you and I obviously know one another, but I'm still for the last week, I've just been giddy that you're coming on the show because as you know, and Josh, as you know, before we even started the pod, I wanted Candace to be the very first person, you know, she, we've had Stefan on and Shaq and stuff like Candace is on the Mount Rushmore of basketball. I mean, of women basketball. And, and I think you're going to do more things in basketball, not just women's basketball. Um, I see all kinds of stuff on the horizon for you. However, I'm just excited that you're here. I, I want to go back though. You couldn't have been playing long if you're six, four, and now you're starting to play how long before you're starting to get recruited. It's interesting. Um, so my dad went to the University of Iowa and Iowa did not recruit my brother, Anthony. And so it was kind of one of those things where my dad was like, you're not going right. Uh, we took an unofficial visit to Iowa. Um, so that was kind of like my first real unofficial visit. How old would you have been? I was in like eighth grade. So I started become like being recruited in eighth grade, I started getting okay. the little cert, you know, the little survey right, yeah. letters or whatever uh, around eighth grade. That's when I first played at nationals. Um, so I was 14 years old and went to Orlando and that was kind of like my debut of kind of coming onto the scene a little bit um, in eighth grade. And then just from there, but I was still playing volleyball. So I played varsity volleyball my freshman, sophomore year. The first recruiting letter I got from Tennessee was actually for volleyball. Really? Yes. I, wow. I opened the mailbox. I saw the Tennessee emblem <laughs> here and I was like, yeah, don't tell me I didn't make it. I made it. And I showed him the letter, opened it. And it was like for volleyball. And I was like, he was like, ah, I see. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, give, I, I, you know, I give the Tennessee staff a hard time about that. I'm like, man, I could have been a volleyball player coming here. <laughs> how, how long was it before you got that Tennessee basketball letter? Pat came and saw me play. I'll never forget in North Carolina, my freshman year. And that was the summer going into my sophomore year. It was the first time she came and saw me play. And then that summer I got a recruiting letter from her. And, um, and then from there, it just, you know, kind of. Why, why Candace? And I, I, I know you have had a very close relationship with her and means she means a lot to you. And I know a few other, uh, Lady Vols uh, in the, from the past who feel exactly the same. I know she was demanding. I know all of that stuff, but please talk for a second about your relationship with, with your coach. My dad flew through Tennessee on his way back from a business trip when I was in eighth grade. And that was right around the time where I kind of fell in love with basketball, you know, and, you know, it's kind of getting recruited and he wanted me to continue to work hard and dream big. And I'll never forget. He got this Tennessee hat and on the inside of the brim, he wrote, I don't coach effort. And that was a, a saying that Coach Summit always said. And I, I still have that hat to this day. Um, and, I, and I met Coach in eighth grade. We went and watched DePaul in Tennessee play. And that was when Catch was, Tamika Catchings was on the team. And it was, you know, Shamika Holesclaw. And they were just running through, you know, all of college basketball. And my dad asking, like, do you think I could play for her? Like, do I think you know, I could play for a coach like her. And I looked at it and I remember being like, well, I go home and am raised by a coach like her, you know, like my dad is one of the most demanding people you know, ever. And that doesn't just stop with basketball. I mean, it, schoolwork, I mean, picking up stuff in the yard, like all that stuff. It was just, he was so hard on me. Um, and so I think that that was when I first started kind of like following Tennessee. I didn't want to go there though at first. 
I wanted to go to a place that hadn't won national championships. Uh, I wanted to be kind of like the change. I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, establish myself and bring a team that hadn't won. And uh, so in 98 was the year that they won their last, t- last title. I graduated high school in 2004. And that challenge, that gap was kind of what made me look at Tennessee. Um, and then Coach Summit just called. And just everything about her, it's not necessarily what she said, it's what she did all the time. Um, she didn't just say words or say things that we should do, she lived it. So everything that she had, the expectations she had for us, she was doing herself. And I think if I can sum up my relationship with her in one, in one story, my freshman year, um, she was hard on me in, in practice. And she said, I wasn't going as hard as I could. I didn't offensive rebound a couple possessions. She was like, you don't know what hard work is. You weren't even here. Like, da, da, da. so she chews me out in front of the whole team. I'm embarrassed. Like, All right. bet. so the next day we have, we have class at AM. So we had 6am practice. So I'm like, I'm gonna get there at four. I'm gonna be drenched in sweat. I'm going to prove to her, like, I'm ready. I want to win a national championship. So I pull up to the arena, took the tea from my dorm, pulled up to the arena. Her light's on. She's like sitting at her desk. Looks like she already had worked out. (laughs) And so it was just kind of like, I'm trying to prove her a point about how I work hard and I'm new to this. Yeah. She's in this. She's in it. She's still doing it. And so I think if that doesn't just inspire you, and wants you to go and it's not just basketball Rex like it's life how I parent my daughter relationships I have with my family my friends how I act at work how I conduct myself with people that I don't get along with like all of that is her and I had a front row seat to it and I honestly dearly dearly miss her but I think she's alive in all of us because if to know her to know her is like you can't even explain it no question. And, and to your credit and to your parents' credit, you know, a lot of people get that first ass chewing in college and melt and transfer or they're gone. And knowing, you know, you've had those those talking to before. Um, it's just beautiful that you're able to bounce back for it. Then you you win a title there in school. Uh, two titles, two, two titles in school. Um, after that bump in the road, your freshman year, did you have more tough times at, at Tennessee or no? Thousand percent. My, my freshman year, I got there and was ready. I was hailed as the number one player. We had the number one recruiting class. We'd all, but given the national championship on paper, um, I was coming off of ACL from my, my high school year, my senior year, Right. got to Tennessee and my knee wasn't right. And I knew it. Did you have the ACL? Sorry, just to backtrack for a second. You won the McDonald McDonald's dunk contest, which I was in the dunk contest. I didn't get to win it. Uh, so I'm a little bit jealous about that. But um, was it, did you hurt it after that? No. So I was five months post-opt at the McDonald's dunk contest. Really? I know you we probably talk- shouldn't have been doing it. I know we talk about this because you have bounce. Like, you had bounce. Um, I had bounce before I had my knee problems like legit two hands yeah it wasn't your length it was your it was your bounce um and honestly you know 
I think nowadays with what we have nowadays, I think I would have known how to kind of prevent a lot of injuries and things like that, but tore my ACL going into my senior year. So I missed part of my senior season okay. Probably came back a little too soon. I came back in five months from ACL. Cause I didn't want to miss all that stuff. I didn't want to miss McDonald's. I didn't want to miss, you know, like I, yeah. I wanted to play. I wanted to win a state championship. That was so important to me. Um, so I get to get to Tennessee and my knees swollen. I know something's wrong, but I don't want to like admit it. Um, we don't play on swollen knees. So they do an MRI. I wake up, Pat's crying. My parents are crying. Like, they're like, you need to have total knee reconstruction surgery. Like, you don't even know if you're going to play basketball, you know, like, what? yeah, it was crazy. And so we had an amazing doctor. I did a femoral condyle resurfacing, which is a total knee reconstruction my freshman year. And, um, so I redshirted my freshman year and it was tough when you have basketball your entire life. And then there's like two straight years of being gone. You know, my parents separated and divorced my freshman year. So honestly, like my freshman year was really tough off the court. I know you just throw that away like that. That's big, man. That's a big deal. It was tough, but Pat's door, that's where we establish our relationship because I think within a relationship, as long as you know you're loved, you're able to be pushed. And Pat loved the mess out of me. And with that, it allowed her to be able to get on me because I knew it came from a great place. Nice. And um, so I think that freshman year, even if it was hard, it was still establishing like a relationship so that my sophomore, junior and senior season, you know, I could be pushed and be coached and be yelled at and not want to leave <laughs> like kids today. Fantastic. I got a fly buzzing around my head in here. Um, yeah. So you win your titles there, then you go, you're off to the, to the WNBA. That was a dream I'm sure. And you go in and set the world on fire, of course, right away, but then another uh, injury, right? Yeah. I've had ups and downs, you know, there's been injuries, but at the same time, you won the MVP your first year in the, in the WNBA. Come yeah. on. I mean, that's like Wes Unseld. That's not that lost people don't. rookie of the year. Just kidding. Um, yeah. But, but you know, what's funny is I wouldn't think it's, but didn't you win defensive player of the year? And then you weren't on the defensive first or second team <laughs> in the WNBA. Listen, one thing I wish I would have listened to Lisa Leslie when I first came into the league is she talked about like the politics of things and how there are certain reputations that are established early on. And that no matter what you do will carry and go with you for life. And, you know, I think that that's one of those things like Candace Parker doesn't play defense. And so even when label. It it's a label, case, right? like, I, I think it's so funny because I don't think in the history and I'd have to fact check this, but in the history of the WNBA, I don't think there's been a player that has not been on the defensive first or second team that has led the league in rebounding. I don't think that's ever. Happened. And so it's just like, it's one of those things where it's just like, all right, bet. Like that's more. Fuel but I love that. that Immediately. It's the second time you've been like, all right, bet. And both times it's been about something that makes you mad. And it, and it no, right. right. To where you're just going to attack whatever that is and prove people wrong. And that's a beautiful, beautiful quality. Thank you. Come from, I mean, your dad and your brothers, your mom, well, I mean. My that's... parents and my brothers early on know that to get me to do something, you have to tell me I can't do it. I like, I don't know. It's just something about me that like, if I 
read something or you tell me I can't get it done or whatever. I mean, now I look back at my childhood. I'm like, you guys played me because they wanted to get rid of me. And like, I was like, I bet you can't run around the house 90 times. And I'm like, like, that's just me. I, you know, I like that challenge. And so I'm excited about this year, Um, you know, for, for the newness, but also the challenge of the situation. I think it's fun. Well, you guys Um, both talked about injuries. So I have a question for both of you because, both of you in your careers had a lot of injuries you've had a lot, and how is there obviously lessons that that taught you, but how did you, you know, deal with that mentally and how did you uh, be disciplined enough to really do the rehab to get back? I mean, there has to be a depression that comes with that. Well, how'd you deal with all your injuries? After you, you go, I, I, he's heard me spew this stuff. No, before, I'm asking you the question. I'm dying too. to know. Thanks. But go ahead, Candace. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, I remember when I woke up from surgery um, after ACL, because, you know, you think you're going to get injured and then you get over this one and it's done. And that's not always the case. Um, I woke up from surgery. Pat was crying. My dad was crying. Mom was crying. Everybody was upset. And um, I remember going back to the hotel with my parents and I was just a mess. I was like questioning how could, you know, whatever. And then I was looking at other people. Well, they don't love the game as much as I do. Why is it that they can play and I can't? Why would this game? I mean, you go through the whole thing of it. I mean, honestly, like you get mad at even watching basketball because you're like, they don't even understand how lucky they are to just be out there and play free. I got back to the hotel with my parents and my dad brought me in the bathroom, told me to look myself in the mirror and I'll never forget it. He was like, you, you can have your pity party tonight. You can cry and be upset, but you're a Parker and tomorrow we attack it. Like you attack challenges. That's what you do. And I don't know. I just kind of fed off of that. And I think goals are huge for me. Like the doctor telling me that I might get to 90 degrees before I leave the hospital was a challenge in my head. Like right. into a challenge, like, Oh, you don't think I'm gonna get to 90 bet. I'm going to bend my knee to 90 or like you don't think that I'm going to be able to squat this amount by this time, bet I'm going to do it, you know? And so I kind of just in my brain, turn it into a challenge. And then I wrote a lot, like I wrote my feelings and I wrote how I felt so that when I did get back playing, I realized like how special basketball is and how much you write it to yourself. I wrote like how I felt that day, you know, after, after rehab or like how, how it's unfair. And I feel like my true feelings, not like the media answers, like yeah. it sucks. Like this person is going out there and practice just bullshitting. <laughs> and it's like, you know what I mean? And you're just like, you don't understand what basketball is and how much it takes for me to be out on the court. And so I wrote all of that down and I would read it later when I, you know, wasn't appreciating the game as much as I should. And so I think that's kind of what has helped me get through. Um, you know, switch gears for a second. Um, I, I watched the ESPN piece that they did on being a mom. Uh, shortly after, you know, injury, you've won the MVP. You decide you're going to be a mom and, and you have Layla. And when I was watching that, that piece, um, it was about, you know, female athletes, professional athletes, you, Serena, um, oh, Christy, the vol- volleyball player. Yeah. And, um, I remember Adia Bryant, Adia Barnes said mm-hmm. in there that, uh, just because I'm a mom doesn't mean I don't get to chase my dreams. And when she said that 
it hit me like a ton of bricks because, you know, me growing up, my dad played in the old ABA, you know, he was a coach. He left every day uh, to go and pursue his dreams while my mom, you know, stayed home and she helped raise me and my, my sister. Um, please talk about that for a second, because, you know, and you said, you know, once you became a mom, you felt like you had for real superpowers. Well, how's it been having, having Layla? Layla, I think every single, and I say, I think every day because she honestly is like the kid, like she's my, I mean, I know I'm biased, but she honestly is that kid that just <laughs> like, she's the first child where you get to your parenting, you know, like where you're like, man, I'm just like great at this mom thing, but she, <laughs> but it's really not, it's her. Like she just was born to like be okay with situ- and changing time zones and traveling and Russia and like all these things. And she was just the constant, like, she was just the best kid. And so I feel lucky that she chose me to be her mom um, in this chaos, you know, of of an athlete life. But at the same time, like we've grown up together. Like I had her after my rookie season. I don't know life really before Layla because my whole professional career I've had, you know, I've had her. She knows she comes first. She also understands that I have to be full to be able to give her the best of me. And by her understanding, mommy does everything in an in-between to try to be there for your special events, to try to be present, um, to know, to let her know that I care and I'm there, but there's going to be some things that I have to miss. It's not because I want to. And that is, I think, what got us to where we're at, like in, in our relationship and, and how we kind of operate is she understands that like, it's okay for mommy to have her time. And it's mm-hmm. also okay for mommy to dream and to want to do stuff that doesn't involve Layla mm-hmm. and vice versa. And so I think she supports, like, she's one of my biggest fans. Um, and I'm appreciative that she's just so adjusted, you know, she, she's getting to that point though. Now she, you know, a couple years ago, it was harder to be separated, but when I was watching that, that piece on you guys, and of course, you know, they sprung on you a video that you didn't know was coming. And, and but immediately Candace, I could see it. I started welling up. And then the second that they showed you again, you know, you're a mess. And I, I could see the pain in there of, you know, you saying she's growing up and this is great, but also I'm missing her right now. Right. This, we don't go longer than like a week and a half. I would say Um, that's kind of our limit where like, that's not um, that's our, that's our limit. I should say it's right at that point. Now I'm in, I'm in Chicago making this decision. I knew that there were going to be parts of her school year that I would miss and um you know leaving LA I guess that's the benefit of being there I would be there right now with her and things like that but she understands that you know mommy's happy and I think that although I miss her at the moment and I want to be with her every single second of the day I think it just is great to have a kid that you know understands it I mean some of the stuff that she says constantly just make me so happy of the journey that we've had because, um, you know, she's seeing 
that if you're a person and you believe in something, want to do something and want to work towards it, um, you can and you should and you will. Not because you have a family or not because you have a career. Like I wanted both. And I think she's the biggest supporting supporter in that. I, I love what I love about kids is um, you see when they when they're born, they come uh, they come pre-programmed. Yeah. You think they're you think what you're getting one thing, and I mean they're there and they've got their agenda and their thoughts and their mind. What what like parts of her uh, and her personality do you admire? What has she taught you? And what was just the most un unexpected part of, of this child's brain and personality to you? Layla is the most well-adjusted child. Um, I have two stories. One, you know, we were in Russia. Her first school was actually in Russia. Um, awesome. Russian. Awesome. Yeah, she, um, she's been all around the world. And so I'm taking her to school and she meets a little classmate and they want to be friends. So, the, you know, the parents invite us over to their house. So we walk in and, you know, she's three at the time and the apartment, we open the door, there's no floor. So, you know, the apartment that we were walking into was very, very poor. So I can't get to her. Cause you know, at three years old, you don't know what they're going to say. So I'm like trying to get to her to get her. And she turns and looks in the corner and is like, a dollhouse, let's go play. <sighs> and I had to compose oh. myself for a minute because oh. she recognized it. I saw that she recognized it and she like mm. completely just like finds relatability between situations and people. And at, like, it's at a rate that I'm just like, I can't even, that's her. Like, she's just- Beautiful. That's amazing. How it is. That's and a beautiful like, thing. Yeah. And so she just like, she really is adjusting to different situations, to different schools, to different places, how like we move, you know, as long as we talk about it. And, um, you know, I think she's just that kid that constantly like makes sure that I'm doing what I'm saying, saying I'm going to do. And I mean that by, <laughs> you know, Rex understands like the yeah. grind, the NBA and the WNBA and like, you just want to win. That's all you want to do. And like, after you lose, you're like mad and dinner's messed up and like, everybody's going to be quiet. And like, you gotta, you know, cause you're mad, you played bad and all this stuff. And I remember in the summer we had just lost and we went to my brother's house and she's playing a board game with my nieces and she was getting her butt kicked in the board game. <laughs> so she gets up and like throws the pieces and goes over in the corner and starts crying. And I walk over to her and I'm like, Layla, Nicole, we don't cry. And she's like, but you do. Yeah. So after that, if you've noticed, like I am one of those people that I'm going to go and I'm going to train, I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to do all these things to prepare for that moment. And then I'm going to let, I'm going to live with the results Yeah. because I think as athletes, like LeBron a couple of years ago said it and people misinterpreted it as he didn't want to win. And it's like, no, I want to win, but you can't, like, it's not the end of the world if you don't right. win. And right. I think that that's kind of been my mentality since my, you know, four or five-year-old daughter checked me. <laughs> like, I'm telling her results don't matter. And like, you try your hardest and then mm -hmm. live with it. And then I'm over here, like falling out on the sideline, lost, you know? 
<laughs> so that's kind of just uh that's great yeah. oh it's so great yeah you know um i have another question along the lines uh, along these lines i know what it's like to come back from a an ankle or a knee or a back or whatever how can you even put into words how difficult it is to come back and play basketball after having a baby because i can't I, you know i've had uh, i've got an ex-wife we had four kids i know what it did to her body every time and so i just wonder it and it, maybe it's different for for everyone but how dif difficult was that for you that was the hardest injury i've ever had to come back from if you know if you want to call it an injury yeah I think the biggest thing is I'm one of those, like I circled on the calendar when I was going to play, when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, like I was like July 5th, I'm playing. She was born May 13th. So I'm just that 23 year old that was out two weeks after, like after I got yeah. to the doctor, I was working out two weeks on the court post, you know, delivery. Um, I was just out there. And I remember my brothers like came to visit Layla for the first time. They were in the stands like, Candace, I don't think you should be going this hard in your workout two weeks after having her. Like you're, you're going to, you know, you haven't done any, you haven't done this. Yeah. In a while. And maybe my, the next day I couldn't stand up straight. My back. Was <laughs> um, but you know, it was, it was difficult. I think more so because my mind would tell me I could do stuff that my body wasn't ready for. Like there would be a rebound and my mind would be like, right. I'm there grabbing it, but my body, it would take a second. Um, yeah, just wait. You're not there in basketball in age yet. That comes again. Oh, 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 there. I, I, yeah. Oh, I'm there. I'm definitely there. It, um, it is happening. How, how um, long did that take you though to before you felt like you were just sort of electric again? You could get where you wanted to get and bounce around and be quick. And, and you know, I would say probably like seven, eight months post. Oh, okay. Um, I felt really, really good. Um, but I will say it added, it adds different challenges. Cause like I nursed her until she was 15 months. Right. Um, and she went everywhere with me for the first two years of her life. Like we did not spend more than probably four hours apart, um, for her first two years. And so every single big playoff game or game, she would, she slept really well normally, but on those nights, it was like, clockwork like she's gonna act up <laughs> and so I think those were the more challenging is like I was a kid that was used to sleeping 10 hours and then you become a mom and it's like all right well she wants to get up at this time or she sleeps until this time or she's not gonna nap and um and so that was kind of the, the challenge of it I think is just traveling with a newborn and like you know the nap schedule and you know she would go to bed at after games and then mm -hmm. wake up you know, the next day. So it was just those type of challenges that were probably hardest. What uh, you mentioned uh, playing in Russia. Mm -hmm. for, for people that don't know, uh, the best WNBA stars go to Russia and overseas and play in their quote unquote off season. And that's where <laughs> they get paid. Uh, <laughs> why do they, why do you make so much more money overseas? Do the people love women's basketball more over there? Why is there more money? And great question. what, what great um, for Layla and you, you know, what a, for her great experience and perspective and uh, different culture. What have you learned and what has she learned, you know, by being over there so much, but first of all, why, why do you get paid so much more there? 
Okay. So the best analogy that I can use is that overseas basketball isn't like the owners. First of all, our owner in Russia was like probably like the fourth or fifth richest man in Russia. Like it, he's just like filthy rich. So it's more of like an art piece. So it's like when you go to a business meeting, you have a professional team and this goes for the men as well. Like yeah. you go over there and you have a team and that's your like Basquiat, like that's yeah. your art piece that you bring to dinner. And you're like, yeah, I have this team. We won year like, <laughs> awesome. you know, whatever. And so that's kind of how it was. I mean, overseas we had, we flew private, we had drivers, chefs, amazing apartments. We had parties nonstop. Um, translators, like everything, anything that you could have asked. We got all half my jewelry is from my, you know, my, my team over in Russia. And so I, I like to think, you know, people say, you know, summer job or off season job. No, like that was how I fed my, my child and how she's able to go to the school that she's able to go to now. Like how I have my house, like it was over there. Um, it's a grind, but honestly, like the grind is coming back here because, Mm -hmm you know, you're playing all year round. I mean, there was seven years straight where I went October to April overseas, April to October in the WNBA and you do it, you know, I mean, obviously I think there's certain players that have endorsements, which makes sense to play in the WNBA. Um, But honestly, I think it's the commitment of the previous generation and our generation uh, to grow the game. Because if you, you know, if you look at the NBA, you need guys, Right. Yeah, the guys that were in the previous generation are <laughs> the reason why they're making the money they're making today. Right. Rex, you know, like, yes, that's just how it is. And so yeah. I think there had to be there had to be times that, you know, you needed a break. Yeah. Uh, and I remember especially, you know, I, I remember a time when there wasn't a WNBA. Um, but I remember those early years, you know, the ladies going over and playing. And then coming back here and the money was still very, it was very, very small at the time. And I remember being like, man, I bet some of these, some of these girls are not digging this, but feel compelled to, to do it for the next generation. Is that, is that, was that kind of the deal? I think that that's the deal, but I think it's also how you kind of audition for jobs overseas as well. Like uh, you only get yeah. two Americans per overseas team. So if you're a killer in the WNBA and they're going to want you on their team overseas. And so I think that has to do with it, obviously endorsements and, you know, different partnerships, but also, like you said, growing the game, you want to play in front of your family. You have this craft and you're going overseas for seven, eight months out of the year to come back, to not be able to play in front of your family and friends. Um, that was important to me is to play, you know, in America. What about the perspective um, aspect for you and Layla, like having been over there? When I tell you, I think that the, the cure for all of our issues in the United States is like, people just don't know each other. Like people don't know different cultures and don't appreciate it. Cause I heard all these negative things about Russia before I went over there. They hate Americans. They don't like black people. They da 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 da. Like a lot of it was just curiosity. Like they'd never seen a black person before. Right. They'd definitely never seen a black six, four woman before. Right. So a lot of times, like when they were looking, it wasn't just because they hated or they didn't like us. It was because they genuinely had not know. ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And so I think just getting into the culture and realizing like people are people, they want to love their kids. They want to eat great food. They want to drink great wine. They want to have fun. 
and they love sports. And that's honestly what culture, you know, what, what every culture I've played in China, I've played in Russia, I've played in Turkey. Um, and all of that is just people are people, man. And I think that that exposure for my daughter at a young age will help her see people. And, you know, and I think that that's, um, that's my biggest thing. I want to continue to travel. Like, I love it. I love traveling. I love cultures. I love different languages. I love food, all of that. So that's what I'm going to be doing when I retire is just traveling everywhere. I'm, I'm so proud of what, what you and what your league has done over the last year socially. I, I just like for you to talk for a, a, a minute or two, second or two about, you know, you guys really made a difference and stepping up and yeah, the, the guys did as well. Um, you know, the WNBA's pockets aren't as deep. And a lot of these girls were stepping out and saying things and knowing they might get blackballed. They might not be back. So please talk about that for a second. Just the being so brave and, and stepping out on a limb and speaking to things that you're passionate about. So first I want to say that a generation ago, there were like four or five or six athletes that showed up to the Cleveland summit, right? Like, I mean, you think about Bill Russell, you think about Muhammad Ali, you think about, you know, Jim Brown, you think about those people that showed up and were able to put their neck on the line. I mean, I don't think many people realize how much Muhammad Ali missed of his. No. So with that being said, now we are in a generation where it's entire leagues. And I think when you're able to already have been ready and not have to get ready, I mean, this moment was made for the WNBA because we've always been preparing for that moment. Like we've always been in the communities. We are a league that like are these things that this country hates. They hate women. They hate African-Americans. They hate LGBTQ. They hate different socioeconomic backgrounds. They hate different religions. Guess what? That's what we are. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, how do we not speak for where we come from? And I think everybody kind of collectively thought about that and have been diligent about continuing to get out there and speak about it. And this is 2015. And I think people forget like the WBA hasn't always been like as a league, not the players, but as a league, like they find Minnesota for wearing black t-shirts. Right. And Tina Charles with New York, they find her and Carmelo, LeBron, they stepped up and said, we will pay that fine. Pay the fine. Yeah. So it has taken a little bit of time for us to be able to continue to speak out and, and say things and um, make stances. But at the same time, I think NBA and WNBA working collectively has really benefited both of us. And I say that because guys like LeBron that are going out there and saying these things make it okay for players that may be blackballed to go out there and then speak about something. And, you know, we're constantly on different calls. We were on a voting call with Michelle Obama during the oh, bubble, like Chris Paul is head of the MBPA. Neko Gumake is head of WMBPA. Like we collectively talk about stuff. Um, and I think that that's what's so important is the communication, but also the knowledge. Like you can't go out and talk about something that you know nothing about. That's right. and, um, and I think just utilizing your voice, but also making sure you're doing your homework and your research. A lot of the WNBA, you have to be either 22 or you have to have a college degree to play in the WNBA. So with that being said, like a lot of four-year college people like that are well-educated, that know what they're talking about 
and have a foundation to stand on um, in social justice and, and in different issues. So I'm proud to be a part of the WNBA. Um, but I think we've, you know, we've fortunately been doing this for a little bit of time. Um, I know we got to wind up speed round here. Uh, you're one of the best athletes in the world and, but you're also a woman. So I'd like to know what are some of the most condescending questions that you get over and over? And is there one that sticks out? <laughs> Great. Oh my goodness. There's like, it's not the, well, first and foremost, if I go through TSA pre-check one more time and some random dude that probably just got the TSA job like a week and a half ago challenges me to play one-on-one. You have not or will not ever be paid to play basketball. Don't challenge me one-on-one. Okay. Not like, it's not like, you know, players. It's those people that like played in junior high and my friend can beat you one-on-one. Yeah. And right away, you're just like, I wish we had a goal in here. I wish we had a goal. It gets crazy. So there's that. Um, Here's what I love. I love the people that come to like either the WNBA page or women's basketball page or my page and talk negatively about women's basketball. Like, don't, why are you here? Like, (laughs) What is wrong with you? You took your time to come to my page and talk about how I can't play basketball. So that's, um, that's number two Uh, questions. I would say, um, there was a number of things about like women speaking about basketball. So they would be like, so like, how do you know the NBA if you never play in it? And then you go and you see, oh. like talk about how like Stephen A. Smith is like one of the best announcers. I'm like, I really like him. He's a great announcer. Like <laughs> didn't play. You didn't play in the didn't NBA. Play. It's, it's so mm-hmm. funny, like the bias that people have and they don't even realize they have it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can keep going on and on and on. Yeah. But oh, I'm sure. Like top three. Should have led with that. What's your favorite movie of all time? Oh man. Um, okay. Can I say two? Yes, you sure can. Okay. They're two different spectrums. So I love Inglorious Bastards. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Quentin like, Tarantino, like him, that Django. Yeah. It's just like brilliant. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite movies. And then, of course, I have to go with Love and Basketball. Like Love and Basketball. Ah, I wrote yeah. on my basketball like. My name, I wrote the little part. Like, oh. I was loving basketball in my mind. That's so okay. great. Front row center for any performer or speaker or band uh, that dead or alive. And you okay. can sit front row center for this concert. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Where do you go? What's your answer? I grew up in the household of Michael Jackson. So um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tie between Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. Those are the oh. two that I would sit front row and probably sing every single song and just be, yeah. yeah. So great. All right. I got, I have, I know we're, we're running up against it here, but um, you're doing such a great job with TNT. Are I know it's weird. You're playing and also doing this already. Do you want to keep doing that? What else do you want to do in life? I always wanted to be an author when I was growing up, whenever anybody asked me what I wanted to do, I always said I wanted to be an author. And throughout my career, it's been funny because they've, you know, 
people have been like, do you want to write a book? Do you want to write a book? And I'm like, it's, I don't ever want it to be about me unless it can help people. And so I'm trying to figure out a way, um, and how the angle that I want to write a book. So I think at some point I would like to be an author, whether it's a children's author or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's what I want to do. Someone who writes to themselves to remind them of the things exactly. that they need to do and the mental frame they need to be in should be an author. So yeah, I can't wait to do it. Uh, we didn't get to uh, Josh is a big fan of the vino, as are you. Please. Uh, so yeah. uh, at some point, we all have to get together and have some vino. And then I need to act lastly in Atlanta, who has the best cinnamon roll French toast? First of all, <laughs> shout out to Chris Lofton, our boy. <laughs> Man, Kentucky missed out on CeeLo. Hey, Chris Lofton, right away. Oh, we already hurts, know he's the, he's one of the best shooters of the basketball ever, but he he did. He told me to ask you that and then also said to be sure and call you a Shiro. <laughs> That's my guy. That's my hero. When I tell you, Rex, like, honestly, you talk about people that have had um, – huge influence on my career. Every single time I went into Thompson Bowling Arena, CeeLo was there shooting, shooting from the logo. Yeah. Um, and he works so hard and has always worked extremely hard. And so I love going to dinner and, you know, going to breakfast. We meet at Egg Harbor Cafe and get the cinnamon roll French toast <laughs> on, my, on my cheat day. Cause you know, I'm 35, <laughs> so I can't have it all the time. Um, but yeah. It's uh, it's it's cool coming into Atlanta and meeting CeeLo, getting a little workout in, and then going to breakfast. I love that, dude. Candace, thanks so much. Um, come back again, please. Come back again. Love it. This was love been so fun. Love you to death. You're you're a superstar. Thank you. Really so appreciate you coming. It's been an honor, and I figured you out a little bit from what you've said. So I, I would like to say, uh, I bet you can't go and tell everybody that this was the most fun podcast you've ever been on and everyone should start watching. You can't, do, you it. can't do it. There's no you way. Watch. You watch. Oh, you can't. <laughs> There's no way. I love that. I love that. Well, for real, I'm going to take you guys up on that. I want some vino when I, uh, when we all get together, it'll be awesome. You a cab guy, Josh? I am. Okay. I am. Uh, I don't like it too sweet, you know? I, yeah, I'm like a cab. I'm a cab. Okay, okay. Getting into burgundy lately. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like this already. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Candace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And that was Candace, Josh. That was fun. I bet she can't. I bet she cannot tell people can. that this is the best podcast ever. I, she can't do it. There's no way. Mm-hmm. I hope she does. <laughs> I bet she does. Uh, How much fun, fun is she, right? I yeah, mean, I could have I could have talked to her about you know being a mom and going through all that stuff for the no, another two hours. She just I know. I, I, had st- I wanted to know more about the Same. inside the NBA and uh, the you know since she has to be so intimate with the men's game to to do mm-hmm. that analysis, what she thought the biggest differences were in the style of play between the two leagues. Uh, I could have asked her a million. I wanted to know about the Olympics. I wanted to know about walking in the entrance of the Olympics, like the all-time dream, to, you know, enter. Right. And then, and then to hear the Star Spangled Banner play, you know, with your gold oh. medal on that. There's a lot. I could talk to her for three hours. She was fantastic. Thanks, Rex. No question. Oh, come on, buddy. Uh, she's our great friend now. So, yeah. um, you know what I love too is that you know, going on a set with Shaquille O'Neal 
and Dwayne Wade. Uh, it would be enough to freak anybody out. And Candace goes in there and she owns it. And she gives nice. those guys hell. She's not afraid. She talks, she talks noise. Uh, I, I, I just love her to death. Love it makes her more death. sense now that I hear she had two older brothers. Right. And that her dad was rough on her. Yeah. She, she, she ain't scared. Uh, well, that was the Candace Parker episode, guys. Please come back next week, same time, same channel. Rate, subscribe, and review the Rex Chapman Show with Super Sexy Josh Hopkins on basketballnews.com. Powered by basketballnews.com. Powered by basketballnews.com.